Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. It's time for school. Rock school. With your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Do you remember Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor? I do. You didn't you didn't care for that movie very much, remember? Not from the beginning of it at all because you mean America's entrance into World War II was not enough of a story for no, you? No, it had to be about love, right? Yeah, you had to put a pregnant nurse in there so someone could fall in love. Give me a break. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show on the Rock School Radio Network. I'm Joe Burns. You are? I'm Tammy Burns. Uh, husband and wife team. I do. Do you do? I did. You did. We all did. This is the beginning of the fall semester here at Southeastern Louisiana University where this radio show emanates from. And every fall I teach a version of film history, so why not take that to the Rock School Show? Last week we did the first show, and if you missed it, what we're doing is talking about rock and roll biopics supposedly true stories, but inside of all true stories, either the facts are missed or they are altered on purpose. So you write based on a true story at the beginning of the film. Things get messed up a little bit, don't they? Either on purpose, so you can tell a story of a person's life in two hours, or you just flat out make mistakes. For example, now this isn't a movie picture, but do you remember Cinderella Man, which was the story of heavyweight boxer James J. Brad? Oh, yeah. In the movie, Max Baer was the heavyweight champion who James J. Braddock defeats. Now, in real life, that actually happened. But in the movie, they showed James J. Braddock to be this uh, wonderful person and Max Baer to be this horrible person. Yes, they did. That everybody hates and he's such a terrible guy. It was simply not true. And at the end where they're actually boxing in the heavyweight match, the... um, Paul Giamatta character says to the Cinderella man, you brought all your ugly friends down here from Brooklyn and you're putting them to sleep. You're not doing this. It's one of my favorite movies. I absolutely love it. The thing is, if he had brought all his ugly friends down from Brooklyn, Uh they would not have been for the Cinderella man. They would have been for Max Baer. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Because this is pre-World War II and Max Baer was half Jewish. All you have to do is look at his trunks. He's got a Star of David on yes, it. Yes, he does. And Max Baer was quite beloved by the Jewish population, which was, let's see, where? Where did they live? Brooklyn. There you go. So if all his ugly friends came down from Brooklyn, they probably would have been for Max Baer. Right. Something that doesn't come quite across in the film. So let's talk about our first music biopic, Joaquin Phoenix and as Johnny Cash in Walk the Line. Oh, I liked it. And we're actually going to play Joaquin Phoenix's version of I Walk the Line. Mm-hmm. However, there were some mistakes. In the movie, Johnny Cash is shown touring with Elvis, Jerry Lee Lewis, and June Carter for Sun Records early in the movie. So what? Well, this could not have happened. By the time Jerry Lee Lewis was signed to Sun Records, Elvis was already at RCA and touring on his own. 
couldn't have happened. In Germany, Johnny Cash is shown shopping for a guitar. The guitar he stops and looks at is a Fender Telecaster. The problem is those were not sold in Europe in the 1950s. He couldn't have done that. In 1944, at least in the movie 1940, Johnny 44 Johnny is listening to the radio, and mm-hmm. the announcer says, 10-year-old June Carter Cash. Oh, no. She'd have been 15 in 1944. Whoa. The song Ring of Fire, mm-hmm. it says, was written in 1965 in the film's chronology. The problem is Anita Carter released the song in 1963, so there's no way it was written in 1965. That's true. Things that go wrong. Here you go. I walk the line. Joaquin Phoenix as Johnny here on Rock School. Talking movies here on Rock School. This is fun. I like it. It is fun. I love talking movies. In fact, I want to see a movie tonight. I could watch two movies an evening. Oh, really? And not have any trouble I'm with, with you. it. I'm with you. Oh, yeah. Remember before kids, we used to go out and it was nothing to go see two movies in a row? We did. That's right. Kids changed. Oh, my yeah. gosh. You, you remember before kids? No, you, not really. You would let me get a Coke <laughs> of my own? <laughs> now oh, you yeah. want, you sucker. You're too cheap. Do you remember Michael Bay's... Pearl Harbor. I do. You didn't you didn't care for that movie very much, remember? Not from the beginning of it at all because you mean America's entrance into World War II was not enough of a story for no, you? No, it had to be about love, right? Yeah, you had to put a pregnant nurse in there so someone could fall in love. Give me a break. The story <laughs> was enough, but here are a couple of things that are inside of Pearl Harbor that should make you roll your eyes enough that we can hear it. FDR got out of his wheelchair. And no. 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 Uh-uh. No. Ben Affleck gets into his airplane. Remember, he's screaming, Get me a plane! Oh, yeah. Get me a plane! Get me a plane! And they got him a plane. And he gets in and he takes down how many zeros? What a guy! Uh huh. Yeah, no. no. No? Didn't happen. That literally did not happen. It was a surprise attack and it just simply didn't happen. All right, let's talk about a music picture here Ray. Ray. With Jamie Foxx as Ray Charles. Oh. Shot in Louisiana. Spectacular. New Orleans. As a matter of fact, a bunch of my students were extras. And sometimes I'll show it in class and point out a couple oh, of kids that were in it. Oh, you do that. Oh, yeah. Now, the students are all gone. They've well, all yeah, graduated. But, but you, but, you yeah. should show me, yeah. Oh, certainly. When the DJ is playing I Got a Woman, the record woman. label he is holding is red. Mm-hmm. So what? Now, this is picky-picky. I get it. But Atlantic Records was using yellow labels on their 45s at the time. The only reason you would have a red label at that time is if it was a reissue. And if it's a brand new song, it would not have been a reissue. Picky-picky-picky-picky-picky. Only DJs know that. <laughs> While recording the song Georgia On My Mind in the movie, the microphone he's singing into reads ABC Paramount. Couldn't have happened. At that time, ABC Records did not have its own recording studio. They would or they would do all of their recording at Capitol Studios in New York City, so that microphone would didn't not exist. exist. No, would not have. And at the end of the movie, there's more than this. I just like to keep it at three. At the end of the movie, when Ray is being honored by Georgia at the legislator, 
legislature in 1979, it shows his wife, Della, standing by his side. Mm, no. However, he and Della were divorced in 1977. Yeah, she was not, she was not standing by her man. No, no she, she wasn't was not. There. Yeah, here you go. It's Ray Charles on Rock School. <laughs> Ray Charles. Don't even get me started on Disney films. Okay. And everything that's wrong in Disney films. Even if they aren't based in reality, they drive me insane. First of all, Rapunzel. Don't start. Don't start with Rapunzel. That don't, drives me nuts. Don't start with any of them. Where has Rapunzel lived her entire life? Up in the tower. Right. How does she know how to swim? Because she is just a smart girl. Oh, okay. Well, that's probably it. Here's another one, Pocahontas. Stop. Okay, Pocahontas. Well, I've got to do this for the show, oh, though. Oh, okay. Okay. In Pocahontas, there's this wonderful love relationship between Smith, you know, and yeah. Pocahontas, right? Mm-hmm. In real life, Smith was 27 and Pocahontas was 10. Okay, ew, if that was actually true. And also at the end of the movie Pocahontas, there's this whole thing that she stays with her people here. And Smith goes back to, yeah, completely not true. Pocahontas ends up marrying an Englishman named John Rolfe. Yeah, no, absolutely not true. But, you know, it made Disney... You know, watchers go, oh, how nice is that? Do you remember the movie from 2010 with Dakota Fanning and Kristen Stewart, who has never smiled in her life, The Runaways? Yeah, I do. Remember that? Mm -hmm. As Cherie Curry and Joan Jett? Joan Jett was a consultant on the film. So one of these is pretty interesting because you would think Joan Jett would have just simply swept this one away. But here you go. Some things that are uh, kind of odd inside of The Runaways. We see Sherry Curry drop the phonograph needle on a vinyl record of Bowie's 1973 album, Aladdin Sane. Okay, so what? It's an RCA label, and right at the top is Nipper the Dog looking down into the gramophone. That's the His Master's Voice logo. Except the His Master's Voice logo would not have been on the records at that point in time. Says here, Rodney Bingenheimer, and we need to do a show just on Rodney Bingenheimer. Let's do it. Who was on K-Rock. He really was instrumental in a lot of major, major, major groups, including Van Halen, getting signed to labels. But anyway... Bingenheimer makes the statement that he used to play a lot of Runaways music at his old Sunset Strip club, the English Disco. Excellent. It's only one problem. The club closed a half a year before the band even got together, let alone even had an initial recording contract. Yeah, that's a problem. And also, Joan Jett is seen wearing leather pants throughout the movie. Yeah. Even though Joan Jett never wore leather pants while she was a runaway, only jeans. And I know you're thinking, wow, Joe, that's really picky. Except on IMDb, if you look at the trivia of the movie, it says here, quote, Joan Jett was irritated with the fact that Kristen Stewart was constantly in leather pants. She stated in the DVD commentary that jeans would have been more accurate because she herself never wore leather pants while she was in the runaways. You were a consultant on the film, so 
should That's huge. Yeah, I get it. Here you go, Runaways, take it or leave it on Rock School. Coming into the first break, here's a couple we're not going to play. Selena starring Jennifer Lopez yeah. about the Latino American singer who was shot to yeah. death by the president of her fan club. Great I, story. I've never seen it. I, it is it is a very good movie. You've seen the movie. I have. I have not seen the movie. Maybe we'll maybe that's one we'll grab tonight. Here are a couple things in the film to look for. There's some real specific things about they say the Grammys are in New York City when they're rather in Los Angeles, or maybe I have the two of them backwards. Right. There's some things like that. But here's a couple that should have been real easy for the movie makers to figure out. When Selena and Chris elope, it says that they elope right after she went bungee jumping. She didn't go bungee jumping. Okay. It says here she might have tried a few years later, some people suggest, but she didn't go bungee jumping. That's not something she did. She doesn't, yeah, that right. didn't even seem, seem like something she would do. It says here also in the elopement, there's pictures of them getting married. Uh-huh. It says here it shows her wearing simply a white shirt, where in real life she wore a big flashy Coca-Cola jacket. Aww. There's a picture of her getting yeah, married. Yeah, just replicate it, right? Right. There's got to be a Coke jacket. Go to Coca-Cola and see Go if they'll figure. give you the Go jacket. eBay. You would think. The outfit she was shot mm-hmm. in, because they show her on a stretcher being taken out of this sort of hotel, motel, I guess more likely, right. that she's been shot in, and it says here... It says she's been taken away on a stretcher and she is wearing jeans and a short sleeve top, whereas in real life, Selena was wearing a gray long sleeved jogging suit. And to a Selena fan, my guess is that means something. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, that would that would be picked up pretty quick. Who's listening to us out there in Radio Land? That would be W-O-U-B in Athens, Ohio. Excellent. Make sure you get us on Facebook. Search Rock School Radio Show, and you'll get links to all the stuff that we have for you to listen to. Back in a minute on Rock School. Okay, coming out of the break, no matter what you think of country music, you should watch this one. The coal okay. miner's daughter was Sissy Spacek and Tommy Lee Jones from 1980. Oh, still good. It's really good. It's not a little good. It's really good. The problem is with Sissy Spacek, I just keep thinking of Carrie the whole time when she's singing in the Grand old Opry. Where's the pig blood? Is there going to be pig blood? It's really weird. Here are some things, however, that are interestingly wrong with the biopic film of Loretta Lynn. It says here, during the early Grand Old Opry appearances in the movie, those that happened in the 60s, there's a full drum kit on stage. Hmm. It simply wouldn't have happened. There was a rule, no drum kits on stage prior to 1974. In fact, the only time at the Grand Old Opry that that rule was broken prior to 1974 was Bob Willis and the Texas Playboys, and that was all the way back in 1944. So there would not have been a drum kit on stage in the 1960s when she performed. Another one. 
prior to her Grand Old Opry performance, Patsy Cline is on the radio and the song Crazy is playing. Okay, fine. That's correct for the time period. However, after she performs, she is summoned to Patsy Cline's bedside because Patsy Cline has been in a car accident. Fine. Again, truthful. True. The problem is the story goes that Patsy Cline recorded the song Crazy weeks after having been in that car accident and had trouble hitting the high notes because she has bruised and broken ribs. Not true. Yeah. We're a little backwards in the uh, the chronology of it. And finally, Loretta Lynn, played by Sissy Spacek, tells Patsy Cline that she's pregnant. Very nice. A few days later in the movie, Patsy Cline is killed in a plane crash. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem. Patsy Cline died March 1963 and Loretta Lynn's twins were born August 1964, which means she would have been pregnant for 17 months. It could happen. I guess it could if she's going to give birth to an (laughs) elephant. Well, twins, a pair of elephants. Here you go. Coal miner's daughter on Rock School. Well, I... In a cabin on a floor, nothing lives here anymore except the memories of a coal miner's daughter. Okay, coming into the bottom of the hour here on Rock School. I'm Joe Burns. You are? I am Tammy Burns. Let me throw out a couple other movies real quick here. Do you remember John Woo's Wind Talkers where a Navajo... Yeah, the Navajo uh, language was used. Right, so no one could decipher it. Right. Well, in the movie Wind Talkers, it was suggested that each one of the Navajo speakers from World War II was assigned a soldier so that if the Navajo speaker was going to fall into the hands of the enemy, they were to kill them. Yeah. That's what the movie stated. Apparently, they did, didn't they? No, of course not. They were not a walking, talking, you know, tablet of cyanide. Oh. The purpose of the person was to be a bodyguard. And if it ever got to the point where, because of what the Navajo person looked like, they were mistaken for a Japanese soldier, they were to have this bodyguard to say, no, 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 Yeah. this person is acting as a wind talker with us. That's the point of the additional person, not to kill them. That's interesting. I think you're wrong. No, I think I'm right. Uh, Men of Honor is another fun one. Navy diver Carl Brashear. If you remember, he was the first African-American diver... Do you remember this one? I don't think I do. Oh, it's a great film. It really is. Uh, the horrible things, I mean, just absolutely insipid things that this man went through to become the first Navy diver. At the end of the movie, he, the diver, is looking for a missing nuclear bomb. Isn't that enough of a story? That's it. That's the story right there. No, no. What they have to do is have a Soviet submarine try to run over him. Were there sharks also? Yeah. It's like Sharknado. No, no. The the nuclear bomb thing's real. For real? For real. This guy's on the bottom of the ocean trying to find a nuclear bomb. Oh, my. But the sub is not real. Oh, it isn't. Nah, it's a little over the top. All right, let's do seven days in 70 seconds. These are the dates, August 15th all the way through August 21. I think you got Monday, Tammy. Do it. August 15th, 2007, the Osmonds reunite for the first time in over two decades to perform their 50th anniversary concert for PBS. And they sold a lot of tote bags. 
Uh, August 16, 1969, day two of Woodstock during the Who's set. Abby Hoffman jumps on stage, interrupts and grabs the microphone, says about five or six words about John Sinclair and Pete Townsend, hits him with the guitar, <laughs> knocking him down. August 17, 1992, Wayne Newton files for bankruptcy claiming debts of over $20 million. Yeah, August 18th, 1988, Elvis Presley's Hound Dog is named the most played song in the first hundred years of the jukebox's existence. August 19th, 1997, the Hank Williams Memorial Lost Highway is dedicated in Alabama. August, they found it. Yeah, the Lost Highway. Uh-huh. August 20th, 1967, the New York Times reports on a pioneering method of noise reduction created by Dolby Labs, known as Dolby. It made home recording on blank cassette tapes possible. And then August 21, 1969, the Beatles hold their very last photographic shoot as a group, occurring on the lawn of John Lennon and Yoko Ono's home in Ascot, England. So, let's move along. Have you ever heard of Cadillac Records, the movie Cadillac Records from 2007? Yes. It catalogs the rise of chess records and many of its uh, recording artists. And since it's only focusing on the label and rather than a person, it has the opportunity to have lots of mistakes here and there. Here's just a few. Chuck Berry is depicted as really angry, pointing out the difference between, or the similarities, I guess, between the Beach Boys, Surfing USA, and Sweet Little Sixteen. The problem is, this couldn't have happened. He was already in jail for the Man Act. He transported a 14-year-old girl across state lines for not such good reasons. Mm -hmm. He was sent to uh, prison between February 62 and October 63, and Surfing USA was released March 1963, so the scene could not have happened. He would have been in jail at the time. Really? Yeah. In the film, Leonard Chess opens Chess Studios in 1954 or 55. It actually opened in 57. Hmm. In the film, Leonard Chess dies, then Muddy Waters and Willie Dixon go to Europe to perform in 67. Leonard Chess died in 69. Oh. Nope, that didn't happen. A 45 record insert known as a spider. Remember those little plastic round things so you oh, could yeah. play it on the, the thinner spindle Absolutely. is there? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The spider was introduced in the 1960s after the company opened up in the 1950s. They weren't around at the time. <laughs> It says here, Alan Freed introduces <laughs> Surfing USA. The song came out in 1963, and by that point in time, Freed was already very, very sick and out of the radio business. Aww. Couldn't have happened. And finally, Little Walter dies at his girlfriend's home, not at Muddy Waters' home, and not in the arms of Muddy Waters' wife. Oh. So, very touching in the film. Yes. It just didn't happen. My apologies. I'm glad you finally told me what that little plastic thing is called. A spider? spider. You didn't know that? I knew that. Oh, well, I thought everyone knew that. I will never forget that. And now everyone does. Uh Here you go. From Chess Records, Chuck Berry. You never can tell here in Rocksville. It was a teenage wedding and the old folks wished them well. You could see never can tell. Okay, into the second break. Let me nail a couple of them for you here. We talked about uh, Coal Miner's Daughter earlier on, and Patsy Cline was mentioned in that. Yes. There is a wonderful movie back from 1985 starring Jessica Lange and Ed Harris called Sweet Dreams. Yes. Which is the Patsy Cline story. Oh, yeah. Okay, let me give you a few things from that movie, Sweet Dreams, once again. 
1957, Patsy is shown listening to Elvis's Can't Help Falling in Love on the radio, which was not a hit until 1961. <laughs> Oopie doopie. In a scene dated 1959 in the movie, Patsy is performing in a drive-in theater when a Sprite commercial appears on the screen. Sprite was not available until 1961. Oh, wow. Right. Now, we talk about the fact, talked about, you know, during Coal Miner's Daughter, that Patsy Cline was in a terrible, terrible car accident. Yes. In the movie, it showed that the car was broadsided, T-boned by a truck, and then her brother pulled her from the wreckage. It's not no, what happened. Didn't happen. No, it was a, a head-on collision, and she was thrown through the windscreen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know why you would make that change. Just go ahead and show it. I don't know. Have you ever seen the movie Immortal Beloved from 1994, The Life and Death and Tragedy of Ludwig van Beethoven? I don't believe I have. Oh, I it's so, so good. It's not a little good. It's really, really a good movie. Here's the thing. Beethoven wrote a love letter. It's a series of love letters, but there's really like one that everyone kind of goes, ooh, to his, quote, immortal beloved. And nobody really knows who the immortal beloved is. It could be one of like nine different women. Now there's one that they think supposedly is it. And she's a woman who was married, who had children that Beethoven gave piano lessons to. Not her, the children. Uh Uh-huh. They think she is the person. Well, in the movie, he bequeaths everything to his immortal beloved. How beautiful. Except in real life, no, he didn't. He didn't do that at all. And in the movie, they failed to tell you that the woman that everybody kind of thinks is it, Uh there's multiple other letters to her in which he doesn't say immortal beloved, but it's something like my most beloved. Like the word beloved is used a few more times. Okay. So it's kind of almost perfectly you know, her, we kind of think it is. Also in the movie, at his first public recital, Ludwig was eight years old. We know this. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, they say he was 12. Mm. Picky, picky, picky. I get it. That's a good one. The film also depicts Beethoven as being tone deaf for his life, even his youth. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. I thought he was. No, no, no. He could still hear well into his adulthood life. A lot of people believe he went deaf because he would pour water into his ears, <gasps> freezing cold water into his ears, oh or at gosh. least that was part of it. Uh, it says here he could still hear slightly till around 1818 when he went almost completely deaf. Whoa. Yeah, it was later that he was completely stone deaf, but he did have... Uh, some hearing later on. So, no, he wasn't a deaf composer at all points in time. So there you go. Who's listening to us? That would be W-Y-A-P in Clay, West Virginia. Thank you so much, you my immortal beloved you. I no. Never, I don't think I've ever written Get you a... Get the water out of your ears. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever written you a love letter. Stop. Don't no, do it. Don't do it. I'll it's type, not a turn on. I'll type you an email. Oh. A love email, my immortal beloved. Back in a minute on Rock School. <laughs> Coming out of the break, let me do a couple for you here. Beyond the Sea, which is Kevin Spacey as Bobby Darren. Yes. Somewhere. He's a great singer. Couple problems with it. The song Once Upon a Time was published in 1962. Okay, not a problem. In the movie, you can hear Bobby Darren, which is Kevin Spacey, 
sing it on his wedding night to Sandra D. They got married in 1960. Whoops. Uh Uh-oh. Nope, that didn't work. During a 1963 touring montage leading up to his Oscar nomination, Bobby sings Fabulous Places. The problem is the song was written for Dr. Doolittle, which was four years later. That's a bit of a problem. <laughs> and the one we're going to play. Have you ever seen De Lovely? I have not seen this. De Lovely. Don't. De Lovely. I don't think so. It's the Cole Porter story. Oh, I have not. With Kevin Klein as Cole Porter and Ashley Judd as his wife. Here's a couple things. Mm. The scene showing Cole Porter musicals being produced on Broadway in the 1930s show African-American and white women dancing together in chorus lines. Not so. No, the Broadway chorus lines were not integrated back in the 1930s. That would not have happened. And then finally, and this is really picky, and you really have to be a music nerd to get this one. In the song Night and Day, Kevin Klein as Cole Porter says, let's try playing it in E flat. Here's the problem. They had been playing it in (laughs) E flat the entire time. Oh, no. And when they modulated it, I don't have it here. Oh. They modulated to something, but it wasn't E-flat because they were playing. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's picky. Here you go. Alanis Morissette and a Cole Porter tune. Let's do it. Let's fall in love on Rock School. But that's why birds do it. Bees do it. Even educated fleas do it. Let's do it Let's fall in love Let's do it Okay, last break here on Rock School. I'm just going to give you three more, uh, three more quick ones. There are others, of course. This believe is unreal. Me. There believe are me, there tons others. of these. Oh yeah, believe me, there are others. But here's three more just to round out the show. Do you remember 2009's Nowhere Boy, the story of John Lennon? I do. Oh, I know yes, you've seen I, it. I've I showed it. it to you. Oh yeah. Three things that were wrong with it. John Lennon had brown eyes, not blue eyes. Okay. That ran into a bit of trouble. Now, here's the picky thing about that. The person who played John Lennon, Aaron Johnson, Mm -hmm. had blue eyes, and he wore brown contacts, but in one scene, he forgot to take them out. No, he didn't. Or have them in, I guess. Yeah. And so you saw blue eyes. Oh, my goodness. And I'm sure it's one of those things where the director went, gosh, I hope no one notices this. Yeah, they did. Yeah, of course we will. In the scene where John is playing Hello, Little Girl, the one that's just after the car accident... He's recording his song, and as you're looking at it, that little tiny tape recorder, little reel-to-reel tape recorder, he finally finishes the song and clicks it off. The problem is all the tape (laughs) is on the left reel. (laughs) There's absolutely no way he recorded that song unless the tape was going at like an eighth of an inch per hour. Oh, my. No way he did it. And finally, when John first saw Paul, um, John was singing, you know, Come Go With Me, not Maggie May. Mm. So there's the there's the problem. The Beatles have just been cataloged to such a point that if you're a Beatles fan, yes. you're going to find picky it's things. It's unreal. Yep. Yeah, you're going to find it. Why do fools fall in love? Halle Berry is in it, and Lawrence Tate plays Frankie Lyman. Mm-hmm. And everybody knew Frankie Lyman as this adorable, you know, why do fools fall in oh, love? Oh, yeah. When in reality, he was a heroin addict oh, who, my. who OD'd in his grandmother's bathroom. 
Did we see any of that in there? Because I don't remember seeing that. Movie. It's a. I, I, I haven't seen it either. But it's it's a, a hard life that the young man lived. Goodness. Here's a couple things. Uh, Elizabeth Waters. And what's funny is if you see the movie, and again I haven't seen the movie, but what I've read is that it's less about the music and more about the women in his life. Who all sort of this is my money, this is my money, this is my Ooh. money. Da, 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 That's just, what we do. Yeah, I don't know about that. Elizabeth Waters testifies in court that she first met Frankie in 1961, and then it goes to a flashback. And on the radio is "Take a Walk on the Wild Side," which was released in 1962. Whoops. And there's also a scene change at one point in time that goes to Lamberton Prison in 1985 in Diana Ross's version of "Why Do Fools." is once more referenced. The problem is it was released in 1981. So they missed it twice. Okay, and the one we're going to finish on. Mm -hmm. I know you've seen this one. Angela Bassett, Lawrence Fishburne, 1993, What's Love Got to Do With It? One of my favorites. Right, and you you have to be in phenomenal shape to play the burner Tina Turner. Oh my gosh. And Angela Bassett pulls it off. Here's some things to look for. In a scene dated 1968, Ike and Tina are opening for the Rolling Stones doing Proud Mary. So what? That sounds perfectly correct. Ike and Tina opened for them in 1969, and Creedence Clearwater Revival's original version was released in 1970. A theater marquee inside of the movie also shows, in 1960, Otis Redding, Martha and the Vandellas, Ike and Tina Turner. No problem there, except... At that time, the Vandellas were known as the Delphi's, and Otis Redding had become a solo act. Oh my dear! That year. That's a that's a big one. Again, easy to they, find. They should but have fixed it. Yeah. I don't know that a continuity expert, you know, would have caught all those things. You would think they would have gone and got some, you know, rock school type person from a local university because he or she may very well. Have oh come caught on now, with the today with the internet, how do any of these things happen? <laughs> Gee, the internet's never wrong. Well, look at that. Yeah, I you could think... have found you could have found a lot of those things on the internet. I don't know. I think half the stuff gets found after it gets put out, and you get a million eyes on it. So that wraps it up. We'll be back next week with a brand new topic, something different than movies, and uh, I get to teach film history this semester, and the students absolutely adore it. And I like teaching it too, which is fun. You gonna make dumb kids smart? I'm gonna do my darndest. Do it. You know? And I know it. I always succeed. That's the fun part. I'm Joe Burns. You are. I am Tammy Burns. That'll do it. Class is dismissed. Good job.